Hey, Sapin City Church friends. How are we doing? Yeah, how are we doing? Uh, I'm going to tell you how I'm doing in a minute. Uh, first of all, a bit of a status update on how we are approaching this new life uh, for Sapin City Church, this new life that we have stumbled into with canceled gatherings and social distancing and the prospect of even greater disruptions. Uh, this is a sermon podcast, but we know our church is way more than sermons, right? It's more than content. Uh, we're a community uh, that's following Jesus in the way of grace and peace for our city and the world. And that calling feels even more urgent today than it did just a couple of weeks ago. Our team is working on ways that we can rise to this moment together. So we'll highlight some of that stuff through the podcast week to week. But even better, the best way for you to stay tuned in is to subscribe to our email newsletter. So please go to the website, sapincitychurch.com, and then scroll down and you'll see a place where you can sign up for the email newsletter. We're going to use that to point you to resources that will serve you uh, during this season, however long it lasts. Serve your family, serve your neighbors. Some of those resources will be ones that we create. Others will be the most helpful things that we've found coming from other sources. And a lot of that that we send you will revolve around how we maintain our connection with one another as a church during this season when we can't physically be present with each other. Uh, We also know when it comes to gatherings, what comes from the stage is just a part of all the good that happens on those Thursday nights and Sunday mornings. Uh, Some of the best moments in our gatherings often happen during the open floor when we open up a topic or raise a question or ask anyone who wants to speak up and respond uh, to hear from each other. So we've come up with a way to keep that going, and I'm excited about this. At the end of this episode and every teaching episode, for as long as we don't have our gatherings in person, uh, we'll offer some prompts or some questions. And if you'd like to respond, you can call this phone number. I'll give it to you now. I'll give it to you at the end. And the phone number will be written into the episode notes as well. But you can call 574-387-2151 and leave a message there. And then later in the week, we're going to release another episode that features some of the responses that you call in with. So I'm super excited. This is just a little way for us to keep the open floor going, even though we aren't in the room together. We'd love to hear from you. And I know it'll encourage others to hear your voice on these episodes too. So please don't be shy about it. Uh, Also, just a friendly reminder that if you usually give in our gatherings uh, to support the church, you can always give online. Just head to southbendcitychurch.com slash give. Now, a story from the other night. So I don't know how you've been uh, navigating uh, everything going on with uh, schools being canceled. Maybe you're working from home. Uh, I know that I settled into mostly staying at home uh, pretty quickly after we canceled our gatherings uh, last weekend. And so I had a few days where I was mostly sort of tucked away here. But then I drove to a friend's house for a bonfire uh, because we figured we could maintain some proper social distance on either side of the fire. And my route took me right through the East Bank neighborhood, uh, which if you're in South Bend, you know that that's where a lot of the bars and restaurants that a lot of South Bend City churches love, a lot of people in South Bend love, are at. And uh, of course, they were all closed. And then I was driving past Howard Park on my right, and I looked left, and I I saw one of those bars, um, and it had a single light on inside, and there was no one in there. And there were stools on top of tables, and this pocket of grief within me just suddenly opened up and I felt this kind of wave of sadness coming on. Uh, It mounted slowly at first, like it was slowly rising up within me while I was driving. And then a few minutes later, I turned down Ironwood Road and uh, I saw one of those bright LED billboards that cycles through different ads. 
And each ad that I saw that it cycled through was an ad from the Centers for Disease Control with different warnings about COVID-19 and instructions on how to limit its spread. And man, it got me then, guys. Um, like my mind obviously has been tracking with all of the developments. I've been reading the news just like you. And of course, we canceled gatherings and had to reconfigure some of our church life. So it's not like I'm unaware of what's happening, but there was this uh, emotional, spiritual reckoning with me at that moment. And it was at the level of my heart, my gut, my soul, um, that I felt this thing. And the thing that I felt is, this is happening. This is happening, right? I mean, I mean, like we've been reading about it and maybe you don't know anybody who's sick uh, from COVID-19 right now, but this is happening. And I say that before I go any further here, because I want to make sure we're holding space for the whole experience right now, you know? I mean, this is happening. This unprecedented thing is happening. In the past week, I've talked uh, to members of our community um, on the phone. I've texted. I've done some kind of awkward house visits where I stand on the porch and they stay in the house and open the door and we talk for a bit or um, drop off some supplies or something. And I've heard from people for whom social isolation is, is really scary, you know, um, maybe because uh, of your mental health or for some other circumstance, it's like, like this isn't just a day at the park for you with extra Netflix and some time to yourself. It's really, really hard to be alone that much. Uh, I've talked to some of you who've already lost jobs in the past week or lost hours or, or you're, you're self-employed, but you just don't know where the business is going to come from now. I've talked to business owners who have seen um, their revenue streams dry up overnight and have maybe already had to lay off workers and um, have felt the weight on their shoulders because these are people who take pride every day in taking care of the people who work for them. And all of a sudden, it's like they don't have the power to do that. I've talked to healthcare workers who are preparing themselves for the onslaught and who are you know, very painfully aware that they're going to be uh, at ground zero for this illness in their community, whether they're here in South Bend or elsewhere. And I want to make sure we hold space for all that even here, because like this is happening. Like it, it really is, right? Um, but the thing for me is the feeling wasn't just this is happening. The, the full expression of what rose up in me that night, driving through that ghost town of the East Bank and turning down Ironwood Road, was this is happening to us. Not me, not you, but us. All of us. Uh, sure, it'll hit different people differently. It will affect different people in different ways. Some uh, really grievously, others not so much. But this is happening to us. And we're being reminded right now that there is one great big us. That our connection is truer and deeper than our individualization. That we belong to each other. Uh, this is happening to us. And the idea that there's this great big us um, is actually really important for the idea that we've been talking about through Lent. Now, like I wanna be careful here, like I don't wanna to be tone deaf. Um, like the world does not look today the way that it looked when we started planning the, the teaching that we would do during this Lenten season as we make our way toward Holy Week. And um, I think there's two temptations here. One would be to carry on as a church as if business as usual and, and preach the sermons. And I just think that would be idiotic and really tragic. Uh, but, but the other temptation would be to 
assume that like what we have been pressing into, what we've been saying to one another to assume that it has nothing to say to this moment. But I'm like, man, if the things that we've been talking about, about how to follow Jesus and how to be this community of grace and peace, if none of that applies now, well, then we, sh- we shouldn't have been wasting time talking about it from the beginning, right? Like, in, in some ways, what's happening now is that the most important things are being revealed and all the other stuff is being revealed for not having been quite so important. So, um, so, uh, so I want to press even further into what we've been talking about with Lent, but I think this, this fresh awakening of this great big us and the connection that we share, uh, it actually is really important for what we were going to talk about uh, this week anyway. Now, the big idea for the whole Lenten series is holiness. Uh, that word that for some can feel really small and cramped because it's a word that can be used against you to tell you about a God that you need to be afraid of or of a moral standard that requires you to contort yourself into something that you were never meant to live. But we also, uh, at the very beginning of this, looked at how the word holy can be this big, spacious word, right? We looked at the book of Genesis at the very beginning at the first mention of the word holy, where that word is describing time, Sabbath, and how we have all known moments where it's like time expanded in front of us and we could feel its spaciousness and its, its, its gravity. And we might have said it was a holy moment. Well, the scripture talks about time being holy. It's a big word like that. And the scripture talks about God being holy. Like when the prophet Isaiah has that, that vision of, of sort of that unmediated encounter with God at the center of everything. And, and he hears holy, holy, holy. Or in Revelation, that, that image at the end where all the illusions disappear and we finally see only what really truly is. And there there's this refrain, holy, holy, holy. Uh, space can be holy, like Moses wandering around in Midian and he finds himself encountering that bush that's burning without burning up and he finds that he's on holy ground. Like a place can have a sense that it is humming with uh, the presence of God or the weight of God. And people in the Bible can be holy. And this is what I'm going to go further into today. But like in the New Testament, when uh, writers write letters to churches, they refer to the people and they call them saints in many translations. But the Greek actually is something more like holy ones. So it's a big word. And it's the word that we've been trying to talk about during Lent. And today I want to talk about how that word connects to the big us that we're experiencing right now. Um, A little bit later, the next week in the series, we talked about holiness as being present to the presence of God, about bringing our own awareness uh, to the presence of God, that God is everywhere and in everything we are being invited to wake up and be aware that there's more here that meets the eye. Uh, And then we talked about being set apart, which is a kind of traditional definition of holiness. Uh, And we asked some questions like set apart for what? And from what? And like, why would that be good? Is it arbitrary? And we pressed a little further into how when the Bible talks about holiness, it often presses into those very kind of primal experiences of life and vitality, right? So we talked about things like blood and semen and menstrual fluid and how in an ancient mind, they may not have a modern medical understanding, but they know that those things represent the most sort of vital energies of life. And so maybe the set apart thing means that like we are to set ourselves apart too from anything that dissipates life, that diminishes life, or that wars against our most sacred energies. And we're to set ourselves apart for 
all of the things that nourish and, and draw out those sacred energies within us and within one another, right? Well, today to go a little further, um, let me do a little bit of Bible with you guys. Let me just kind of track a thread that runs through the scriptures. Uh, just sort of hang with me for a moment, okay? Uh, so um, early in the scriptures, we have the, the tabernacle and the temple. And uh, there you have in the temple, like we talked about a few weeks ago, you have a sort of, a sort of image of the world, right? Uh, the, the temple is like a little microcosm of the world that we are living in, but it, it helps the people imagine that world differently than maybe perhaps the one that meets the eye when they walk around the everyday world. So in the temple, like I said, you, you've got trees and you've got a big uh, bronze uh, container with water in it that they call the sea. And then you've got the Holy of Holies with the veil between you and it and the stars embroidered on it. But then at the center there at the Holy of Holies, you have this this uh, deep awareness of the presence of God. So early on, you have God dwelling in the temple, but the whole point of the temple, it seems, is to remind you that God is at the center of everything, that this universe is sort of fired with the life and vitality of God everywhere. And so the temple helps you reimagine all of that, and it trains us into a way of being present to the presence of God in everything. Well, that temple plot gets carried along in the scriptures because later, Jesus actually has the, the gall, the audacity to refer to himself as the temple, which is a way of saying a lot of things. It's a way of saying that God is dwelling and living God's life through Jesus. Uh, it's a way of um, saying that in him, his own life and death and resurrection, he's going to gather up everything that used to happen at the temple, like the sacrifices and some of these rituals, and he's going to sort of gather them up into his own life and death and resurrection uh, so that we can then sort of trust that for our own experience of being reconciled to God. Um, so the presence of God is living its life through Jesus and the holiness of God is there in the life of Jesus. And the things that happen at the temple are then sort of brought forward into his life and death and resurrection. But the temple plot doesn't end with Jesus because uh, something happens in the New Testament, which then is, um, that a letter is written to a church where we read that, that we are being made into a temple for God. That, that you and me are being made into a temple for God. It's as if to say that it's among us, in our midst, maybe even in the space between you and me, where we find the holy of holies. Just like hold on to that idea for a moment. That the, the, the center of God's action in the world, that the, the place where those vital energies are on display for the world, that the holy of holies is perhaps found in the space between you and me, in our midst, in, in the us that we call the church. Uh, in other words, uh, we've been talking about holiness for a few weeks now, but the big idea today is that holiness is a communal project. That holiness is a communal project. And this is important because like a lot of us, perhaps we've had a religious upbringing. Maybe we've heard a lot about holiness, but it really was very individualistic. It was like, basically, you individual, you're supposed to live a holy life. And the way that you're going to do that is that you individually are going to abstain from individual behaviors and make sure that you sort of uh, protect yourself from being like, you know, made impure by anything out there or whatever. But it was a super individualized thing in a way that a lot of us have heard this idea of holiness. But I'm saying, actually, 
if you, if you try to kind of wrap your arms around the big picture in scripture of what this word means for us today, the, the big idea is that holiness is a communal project. That a holy life is something that we share. The, that perhaps the reason that these letters written to the churches in the New Testament refer to their recipients as the holy ones is to say that, hey, you, hey, church, you guys are in the holiness project together. It's as if to say, like, if we will be present to the presence of God, we will do it together. That's not just an isolated thing for individuals in their own, like, private meditative moments. That to be present to the presence of God is something that we do together. It's as if to say that if we will set ourselves apart from all that dissipates life, we will do it together. It's as if to say, if we're going to learn to live more and more in surrender to the life that wants to be lived within us, in surrender to that, that vitality that God wants to give us day by day, if we want to do that, we're going to do it together. Because holiness is not a private, individualized thing. Holiness is a communal project. Now, think about the examples that have stirred your heart just in the last week or so in the news as this pandemic has begun to capture our attention. I mean, think about the moments where something deep inside was stirred, almost like a bell was rung within you, right? You think perhaps about those Italians making music on their balconies together. You know, they're all uh, quarantined within their own apartment, but they all go out to their balconies and they're making music together. And some of you saw that and you, you just knew not only was it delightful and inspiring, but the word for it was holy. And it was something they were doing together. I think about, uh, I saw an image of an elderly man who wasn't allowed to visit his wife in her nursing home. And so um, he arrived at her window with a poster telling her he still loves her. I think it was her birthday or their anniversary maybe. And he had balloons. And he just, out there outside the window so that she could see him. And I, I don't know about you, but if you saw that or if you've seen things like that, it's beautiful and it's moving. Uh, it's stirring. But I actually think the word for what, what we are seeing there is holy. And it's precisely happening um, in the space between them. It's something they share. I think about every story that we've seen even in the last week of simple sacrifices being made on behalf of other people for the people most in need. And in all these stories, your heart senses the vitality of those moments, doesn't it? That the, the life that God wants to live within us, through us, it's shining in those moments. And that makes sense because if holiness is about saying yes to that deepest life that wants to be lived, the life that, that God gives uh, and if holiness is a communal project, then we're going to see that life, that vitality on display, not just in solitary moments with individual stories, but we're especially going to see it lived out when the people are together, uh, like in our midst. Um, this seems like a really important word right now, right, actually. It's a reminder that um, the social distancing is necessary and it's, it's a really important way for us to love our neighbor right now for us to all be team players in our shared well-being, especially on behalf of the most vulnerable. And yet, like what an important moment for us to find other ways to move toward one another. Um, 
what, like what a beautiful uh, way for us to rise up to this occasion right now because holiness is a communal project. And if we will live for that most vital life within us that wants to be lived, if we will surrender to that or say yes to it or honor God and be present to the life that God wants to live in our midst, we're going to have to do it together. So what a beautiful moment to get creative and find ways uh, to be connected to each other, to see each other, to hear each other uh, with everything going on right now. Um, I think about, we've got table groups in our church who they're not meeting in person, but they're setting up uh, laptops or iPads at their dinner tables. And some of them are even ordering carry out from the same places, the same restaurants. And then they're sharing a meal together uh, through the webcam on the computer. What a beautiful way to stay connected. Um, because uh, we are called to be the holy ones, to, to wrap our arms around the great big us, uh, that we are all connected together. And um, now's the time more than ever to, to rise up to that. Now, uh, let, me, let me pivot for a moment um, to another way that sometimes um, this sort of shared project of holiness gets played out. Um, sometimes if, if holiness is a communal project, if we are in this together, uh, if we have to do it together, well, sometimes what might happen is you might look at your sister or your brother, your beloved neighbor, and you might honestly see something that is, is dissipating their own life or somebody else's. They're, they're doing something. There's a pattern in their life. There's decisions that they're making. And I mean, they're bad decisions. And frankly, it's like it's unholy, right? Well, we should talk about that for a moment because we're in this together, right? Now, um, sometimes uh, like like religious experiences and communities can really like build their entire project on the assumption that you're going to screw this up, right? <laughs> Like maybe you've been a part of something like called an accountability group. And the baseline assumption for the whole group was, we assume that everybody here is just going to screw it up a bunch and we're here to blow the whistle and throw the flag and call it out. Well, that's a, that's a really dark, cynical way of coming toward one another, isn't it? Um, it, it it's a way of coming together that forgets that like that the, the scriptures say, no, I call you holy ones. Hey, church, you're holy ones. As if something has already happened, as if God has already initiated something within us that is calling us to our best, that's making possible our truest, deepest selves. So the idea that like the baseline, that the, the primary assumption that we would bring to one another is you're going to screw this up and I'm going to call you on it when you do. Well, that I think that completely misses the point. But... But, right, every one of us is going to have moments and seasons and make decisions and give in to patterns that diminish or, or dissipate that vital life within us or other people. And a word for that is unholy. And if we are in this together, if holiness is a communal project, then, then we might need to give some people some permission. We might need to invite some people into that very vulnerable space in our lives where it's it's okay for them to say, hey, I, I just, I see this in your life and I just wanted to ask, uh, is that best? Is that okay? Is that is that good for you and others? Is that the life God wants to live out, out in you? Or, or maybe is it not? Is it warring against that? Uh, if we don't have, we don't have any room for that with one another, then we're going to miss out on holiness as a communal project. And so like uh, maybe one of the things we could consider this week is, is there anybody in your life who you've invited in and you've given permission 
Um, they're not there to be the referee. They're not there just to assume that you're going to always screw up. And yet, because they know you and because they love you and because you share some common vision of the life that God wants to live in us, like that it would be okay for them to say, um, hey, man, hey, sister, that it doesn't look quite right. Can we talk about that? If holiness is a communal project, we're going to have to have a little bit of room for some people in our community uh, to challenge us from time to time. And I don't mean that like from a distance. Uh, I'm not trying to trigger um, some of the pain that comes for so many who have experienced such um, difficult and judgmental community. I'm not talking about that. But if because of that, we completely give up on helping each other live for this this holy vision in our lives, we're going to miss out, right? Uh, um, all right. If holiness is a communal project, then we can be on the hunt for all the vitality that exists between us, for how it is that the life God wants to live within us is most fully expressed in our connection with one another. We can be the kind of family that loves well enough to challenge each other in the ways that we don't live up to who we are. And I think especially uh, in this unknown season with all of the fear and anxiety and uncertainty that it brings with coronavirus, um, like we dare not give up on seeing each other and hearing each other and looking out for each other and checking in on each other uh, because we are in this together, this great big us. So that's the big idea this week, gang. Uh, that was my attempt to take uh, where we were already going in the holiness thing and and listen to it right alongside everything that's happening in our headlines and in our neighborhoods. Uh, but I, I, it's like all over the scriptures that holiness is an invitation. It's beautiful and it's a communal project. Uh, so what a powerful invitation for us to look for ways uh, to be cheering for the vitality of one another in um, a season of social distance and quarantines. So I'm going to throw a few questions out here and we'd love to hear from you. Uh, this is the open floor part of the podcast that we're going to try to keep going here, right? I'm going to throw these questions out and then uh, please call us back, leave a voicemail. The number again, it'll be in the podcast episode notes and it's 574-387-2151. One more time, 574-387-2151. This episode is going to be released on Sunday, March 22nd. And then we'll post the open floor episode with some of your voicemails on Thursday, March 26th. So that gives you a few days to call in with responses. Uh, here's a few questions. Uh, first of all, we just want to check in. You can even forget about the sermon for a minute. How are you doing uh, right now with the social distancing, with the economic disruption, with some of the anxiety or the uncertainty of what's going on with coronavirus? Uh, call in and you can tell us about what's hard about this for you. Or perhaps tell us uh, how you're coping or... Maybe some ways that you've modified life with uh, your friends, your family, your roommates, and maybe some of that's working for you right now. Why don't you share that with us? We'd love to hear it. Uh, and then how about this? Wh where have you seen in your own relationships, uh, your family, among your friends and your neighbors, where have you seen uh, places where holiness was a communal project? Where have you seen that that deepest, truest, most beautiful humanity was being expressed, not just in people, but between people? Uh, maybe maybe it goes back from before you'd ever heard of coronavirus. Uh, maybe it's something going on in your life right now that has nothing to do with that. Or maybe you've seen an example uh, related to everything going on right now with the pandemic 
where you where you have just seen that 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 vitality, that that life that God wants to live, and it's being played out not just in a person, but it's played out between us in our midst. Or how about this question? Who in your life has helped you grow in, in holiness, in wholeness, in reminding you of who you are and living up to that? Uh, who in your life has done that for you and how did they do that? Maybe you give a shout out and we'll get them on the podcast, get their name out there so they can uh, hear your gratitude. Uh, if you want to respond to those questions, give us a call and uh, we'll release that open floor episode in the next few days. Uh, in the meantime, Stop and City Church podcast friends, um, know that we love you. We are praying for you. Uh, we know the uncertainty of this season can be really, really difficult. Uh, and yet we believe uh, that grace and peace are on offer, even in the midst of all of this. And so it is uh, from a very deep and heartfelt place uh, that I wish you grace and peace today. Love you, friends. See you soon.